mind, water, chayim, life, water of life. I'm glad I have the water of life. How about you? Yeah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Well, it's great to be back at Wood River Baptist Church. And I appreciate your pastor. He's a man of God. I have nothing but respect for your pastor. And uh, we really do appreciate uh, your friendship. Appreciate your fellowship. And uh, man, what if it were today? Hey. You know, if it, if it were today, preacher, you know, my prayer is that every single pew at Wood River Baptist Church would be empty. Amen. If it were today. But you got to make sure of that. You got to make sure that you know that you know that you know that you've been born again. Amen. That you've been washed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that you know that you know that you know that when that trumpet sounds, you're going to be taken out of here. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you're left behind probably your clothes, shoes, credit cards. Let the anti-Christian credit cards, amen? Hey. Let them pay you You'll be the rule of your Bible and Empire anyway. <laughs> no, but you need to know that. You need to know that you're saved. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Give us the opportunity, Brother Juno or myself or somebody here, to open the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that one day heaven will be your home. You know, I tell you, if you're not saved, here's the bad news. You're either one heartbeat away from going to hell, or one trumpet sound away from being left behind. So if you don't get right, you're going to get left. Amen? You see where I'm coming from? If you don't get right, you're going to get left. You will be left behind to go through a terrible seven-year period of tribulation to come. So if you were not here for Sunday school, we talked about the Jewish calendar in Bible prophecy. How those future seven years of the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy are based on the Jewish lunar calendar, which is based on the moon, our calendar, the Gregorian solar calendar, is based on the sun. And those 70th week of Daniel's prophecy are not based on our calendar, but it is based on the calendar of the Jews, because Jeremiah 30, verse 7, talks about a time of whose trouble? The time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob, Genesis 32, 28. Jacob to Israel, a time of Israel's trouble. And trouble, ladies and gentlemen, is indeed on the horizon. But I am convinced that you and I, as the body of Christ, will not see one day of that time of Jacob's trouble. We will not see one day of that future seven-year period of tribulation to come. I mean, if you think it's bad now, man, what's about to come is unprecedented, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be absolutely Horrible, and I would not want my worst enemy, my worst enemy, to be left behind at the rapture of the church. So you need to settle that eternal question today before you even leave these four walls. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. If you know me, I want to use the doctrine of Bible prophecy to win people to the Lord. I use it when I share the gospel. In Israel and here at home in the United States of America. Amen. I want to use the wonderful doctrine of Bible prophecy to win people to the Lord. Because there is a heaven to gain. 
but there's a hell of a shot. And I want to teach Bible prophecy and preach it to you responsibly. How do I preach it and teach it responsibly? By looking at the scriptures for their plain sense interpretation. Applying inductive Bible study, you compare scripture with scripture in order to ascertain more information. You let the Bible interpret the Bible. It doesn't need my help. Amen? It doesn't need my help. The Word of God stands on its own. And one of the most abused doctrines out there in the church today is the doctrine of Bible prophecy. It's abused by the church today. It's taken out of context. It's allegorized. It's spiritualized. Making it sound something else what the Bible intends it to be. The church has a bad habit of doing that, especially when it comes to Bible prophecy. We need to avoid all that stuff. I have people that call me all the time and say, Brother Zalo, do you hear what this guy said on YouTube? Well, I got another email. I just saw this on YouTube. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. You've got to avoid that YouTube eschatology. It will get you into doctrinal trouble. Amen? Amen. You need to look at the book. Look at the book. Take the book for its plain sense interpretation. The plain sense makes sense. Don't look for any other sense or you'll end up with another sense. And when it comes to Bible prophecy, there is a lot of nonsense out there today. You don't take August Rosado's word for anything. You don't take any man's word for anything. But you do take God at his word. Amen. This is absolute truth right here. That's what Jesus said in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This is indeed absolute truth. And you and I, as the body of Christ, we have a glorious future to look forward to. What a word today. I pray that it is today. But whatever time that we have left, let's redeem that time because the days are evil. Amen? So how are we going to redeem that time? Well, number one, we need to be winning people to the Lord. Sharing the gospel. We need to be in God's word every single day. Don't be an occasional Bible reader. Be a daily Bible reader. Read the word of God every single day. Meditate on the word of God every single day. Study the word of God every single day. Be on your knees in prayer every single day. Prayer is the greatest weapon that the Christian can have in his or her arsenal. Amen? Amen? Prayer can this sword, man. Satan hates this sword. Satan is nothing but a thief. He's nothing but a murderer. That's how Jesus describes him. In John 8, 44. Ye of your father the devil, the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. That goes all the way back to Genesis 4. He was a murderer from the beginning. And it goes not in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. Oh, he's got his own minions, Amen. When he speaketh of a lie, he speaketh of his own. When he is a liar, he's a father. And he's operated in the world today. That's why in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he's called the God of this world. Small g. He's called the God of this world. Ephesians 2, 2. He is the prince and the power of the air. What air? He has control of the first and the second heavens. The first heaven that you'll see the moment you walk out these doors, walk up into the sky. You see the heavens, the first heavens, where the sun is, where the clouds, where the birds fly. He has dominion over that. 
not even see the second heavens, the galactic heavens. Space, you look up and you see the, the moon and you see the stars. He has control of the first and second heaven, but not the third heaven. Amen. You know why he doesn't have control of the third heaven? That's what God the Father is. Amen. That's what God the Son is. That's what God the Holy Spirit is. That's what our saved, departed loved ones are. Amen. Amen. Amen? And when the trumpet sounds, that's where you and I are going to be. He's going to take us in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, to that third heaven. And he's going to take us to the Father's house. And you and I are going to celebrate one of the greatest Jewish weddings there ever was. <laughs> what in the world are you talking about, Jewish wedding? You read John 14, 1 through 3, that's a beautiful Jewish wedding illustration. They've been practicing this for 2,000 years and still practicing in Israel today. When that Jewish bride would go to the home of the prospective bride, have a ketubah in Hebrew or a wedding contract in hand, a covenant, if you will. Put that covenant down on the table. She'd be sitting right there, her family's behind her. And then he would take a, a glass of wine, probably grape juice more or less, and uh, put it right there in front of her. And she picked up that glass and drink from it. You know what she'd be saying? But if she did not pick up that glass, you know what she would be saying? Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. But if she drank that cup, she committed. And she would agree to the stipulations of the wedding contract. And then pay a price to the bride's father. And it was a big price, too. And then he would take that ketubah, that wedding contract, and say, going back to Abba's house. Going back to dad's house. I'm going to get the honeymoon chamber ready. Every single day, she would be waiting for him. Not long when he was going to arrive. And one day, she would hear a blast of a shofar. A ram's horn, by the way. We just brought some back from Israel on a table there. She would hear the blast of a shofar. She would look, and here he comes. We'll pick her up, take her back to his father's house, to the honeymoon chamber. And even in Israel today, they would celebrate the honeymoon for how many days? Seven days. And they still do it in Israel today. Believe me when I tell you that. I've seen it. Seven days, man. They just go crazy. When Jesus Christ picks up his bride, takes us back to the father's house, we'll be in heaven for how long? Seven years. While the earth below goes to the final 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. That future seven year period of tribulation to come. I'm so glad, Brother Juno, that we're on the winning side. Amen. Amen? That's what the major Pentecostal say. I'm Baptist, man. <laughs> we're on the winning side. And the bridegroom. Is about to come for his bride. Did not Jesus pay the ultimate price for his bride? He sure did. When he shed his blood on the cross for the sins of all mankind. Tasted death for every single man. And for those of us who have called upon him as Lord and personal Savior, 
We are part of the body of Christ. He's going to one day come back after the rapture for those who have been born again. For those who have been washed by His precious blood. What if it were today? If it ain't today, it could be tomorrow. If it ain't tomorrow, it could be the next day. I don't know the day God will you. But I do believe we're living in the times and the season of the coming of the Lord. Exactly what we're going to be looking at. The times and the seasons. Prophecy unfolded in its early stages. Right before our very eyes. And then tonight, we're going to be looking at the political setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. Why do we cover the geopolitical activities of the world? Because they have a setting stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. So you might want to come back tonight for that one. And I do believe we might have a little bit of Q&A uh, tonight after the service. So come on with your Bible prophecy questions. I will try to answer your Bible prophecy questions. I'm no Bible prophecy expert, man. Like you are a student. I've been studying Bible prophecy for 30 years. And I'm still learning something new. Every single day. But I know one rule of thumb. I take this book literally. Amen. Unless the Bible tells me to allegorize in the Bible alone. Not you or someone else. Unless the Bible itself tells me to spiritualize or allegorize. I take the scriptures for the plain sense interpretation. So before we uh, begin this morning, we have our book table set up back there. My wife and I, as I said, were in Israel a couple of months ago, and we brought a bunch of goodies back from the Holy Land that you can take back home yourself. Ram's horn, shofar, that's out of Genesis 22. And we've got a lot of stuff out there, women's bags, Jerusalem handbags. So check that out. Sign up for our newsletters. They go out every single week. They're free. And uh, my wife and I will be leading uh, an 11-day Bible prophecy tour to Israel, March 24th to April 3rd, 2019. It's going to be 11 days out there in Israel, spending one day in Petra, in southern Jordan. Because we believe Petra will play a major role in end-time Bible prophecy as a hiding place. For the Jewish people, when they flee from the Antichrist at the midway point of the tribulation period, they will be sheltered, fed, nourished, and uh, provided by God right there in Petra. Now, when we read Isaiah 16, 1 and 4, Isaiah 26, 20, Isaiah 63, 1 through 6, Revelation 12, 6, Revelation 12, 14, Petra will be the location where God will shelter the remaining Jewish remnant for the last half of that 1,260 days. The last half of that seven-year period of tribulation. I want to take you there and show you where prophecy will be fulfilled. In Israel, where prophecy will be fulfilled. I know I say this a lot, especially when I come here. If we get raptured out there in Israel, it's only going to be a domestic flight across the heaven. Amen? Amen. So come to Israel, discover the Jewish roots of your Christian faith. See where prophecy is going to be fulfilled. See where your home will be for 1,000 years. How do I know it's going to be 1,000 years? The Bible tells me so. Six times yet. Revelation chapter 20, 2 through 7, tells us six times he will reign for 1,000 years. So if you want more information about our trip, to Israel, 
see me at the end of the service, I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. When you get back from the Holy Land, I guarantee this, you'll never read this King James Bible the same way again. Amen? And so I'd love to talk with you about that. Alright, think about this. We're going to look at two passages this morning. Okay? We're going to look at, first of all, Daniel 11, 40. Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 40. What I want to do this morning is look at the political, the geopolitical activities, and then look at the prophetic. The political setting, the prophetic. Even though I'm going to talk about that tonight, that's exactly what we're going to be doing this morning. So we're going to look at Daniel 1140. Daniel is right after that large book of Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 40. It's one verse, Daniel 1140. And you'll notice what the Word of God says here, Daniel 1140. It says this, At the time of the end, or the end times, shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come up against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, and with horsemen, with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries, and shall overflow and pass over. When you read uh, Daniel 11, 40 through 45, you will count the personal pronouns nine times. He, him, his. That's talking about this future ruler of the revived Roman Empire, the beast or the Antichrist, if you will. Now, go with me to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16 and verse number 12. Revelation chapter 16 and verse number 12. Revelation 16 and verse number 12. And you notice what the word of God says here in Revelation 16, 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water there was dried up that the way the kings of the east might be prepared. That's what I want to talk about this morning. The kings of the east and the king of the north. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your precious word. Your word is precious. Your word is holy. Your word, Lord, is absolute. And it is indeed the final authority to man. And I'm asking you, Lord, this morning that you would please help me because I need your help, Lord. I'm, I'm useless behind this pulpit, Lord. And I'd be useless to these people here this morning, Lord. If your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, does not dictate to me the words that I need to keep me within the perimeters of the inspired, inerrant, infallible authority of the Word of God, keep me within the bounds of Scripture, Lord. That would not go beyond its boundaries, Lord. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would dictate every jot and tittle of this message, every word that comes out of my mouth here this morning. And Father, as I said, I want to use the wonderful doctrine of Bible prophecy and teach it responsibly for its plain sense interpretation to use it, Lord, to win someone to Jesus Christ. And if there is someone here this morning that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, God in heaven, may the Spirit of God convict that precious heart. That they would call upon the name of the Lord. 
and that they would get saved. Father, please help us this morning. We need your help. We need to feel the presence of God here this morning. I don't want them to hear August was out. Lord, I want them to hear you. I'm insignificant, Lord. A better man could be behind his pulpit other than me, Lord. But Father, I pray that you would use me as your vessel for your glory and for your honor. Help me, Lord, to preach in the spirit, not in the flesh. And we pray that you will be done now, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen and Amen. Well, folks, we know that uh, Bible prophecy calls for an attack on Israel in the end times. That's what Daniel eleven forty tells us at the time of the end. And in the end times, coming from the north of Israel and from the far east of the, of the Jewish state, there will be an attack on the state of Israel. Now, you look at that map of the Middle East. You can barely find Israel on that map. You know why? It's no bigger than the state of New Jersey. But, I mean, there, there she is right there. I mean, it's like chicken scratch. On that map. But she lives in a pretty rough neighborhood. The Bible tells us in Daniel 40 that at the time of the end shall the king of the north push at him. Now, Israel is a land bridge between two Arab countries Egypt to the south and Syria to the north. And there's that land bridge right there between both those Arab countries, would be the democratic Jewish state of Israel. And then when we read Revelation 16, 12, it says the Euphrates River is dried up that the wave of kings of the east might be prepared. So, geographically, this is where the Euphrates River is, the Tigris and Euphrates. And when that Euphrates River is dried up, the wave of the kings of the east might be prepared coming into the Middle East, bringing death to at least one-third of the world's population. Now, folks, we're talking about an army seeking to wipe out the modern-day descendants of King David in the future. We are talking about the Jewish people. So the Jewish prophet Daniel is writing at around 605 B.C. We're talking 605 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. He talks about an attack on the Jewish people coming from Israel's north border and coming from the far east of the state of Israel. You know what's been going on in Israel. You watch the news every uh, single day. There's a civil war going on in Syria right now. It's been going on for almost six years, resulting in over 500,000 innocent men, women, children, infants, babies, murdered by a dictatorial rule there in Syria. We're talking Bashar al-Assad, who, by the way, is being protected by Russia, who, by the way, is being protected by Iran, who, by the way, is being protected by Turkey. Major players, ladies and gentlemen, in Bible prophecy. Daniel talks about these guys. 605 B.C., when Daniel was a captive of the Babylonian Empire, along with his three Jewish friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. See, I like to refer to them by their godly Jewish names. You refer to them as their pagan Babylonian names. Which is who? Shadrach. <laughs> I'm going to tell them nothing new. You read your Bibles. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I like to refer to them by their, their godly Jewish names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're taken from the land of Israel. They're taken all the way to Babylon. Of course, today this is where the Euphrates River is to the left. And of course the 
Tigris River uh, to the right, Daniel ministered in that area at around 605 B.C. Talks about an attack on the Jewish people coming from Israel's northeast border where the civil war has been going on for about almost six years right now. And then, some 500 years later, after Daniel prophesied, John the Apostle, a prisoner of the Roman Empire, incarcerated on the Isle of Patmos. We're talking between 90 96 A.D. He foretold an attack on Israel that will come from the far east. The Euphrates River is a natural border between the Middle East and the Far East. And one day that river is going to be dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. We're talking about a massive army. This massive army coming from the Far East will bring death in its way to millions of people all over the world when they carry out their attack. And we find two passages in the book of Revelation that talk about these guys. The first one is in Daniel 11 40 that we just read. At the time of the end. This is talking about the end time. The king of the south along with the king of the north will come against Israel. Both these Arab countries will unite to attack Israel probably early on in the tribulation period. Like I said, the king of the south is Egypt on Israel's southern border. The king of the north will be Syria on their northeast border. The land bridge itself being the Jewish state of Israel. The king of the south, Egypt, and we'll get a closer look right here. There's, again, there's Israel. Again, it's like chicken scratch. Even at this close range, it's like chicken scratch on the map. There's the king of the south that Daniel talks about. In Daniel 40, and there is the king of the north, Syria, on their northeast border. And of course, there's a buffer zone between Syria and Israel. It's called the Golan Heights. Have you heard of the Golan Heights? That's one of our stops on our tours. Come to Israel with us next year, folks. We're going to stop there in the Golan Heights. It is absolutely beautiful. And right there, you can see Syria. This area right there. Now, don't worry, you're not going to see missiles flying over your head, bullets whizzing by your ears. That when you're over there, folks. I've been to Israel 21 times. I've never had a security issue over there. I'm more safer in Israel than I would be anywhere in the United States of America. America's a very dangerous place. You know, what do you hear of school shootings in Israel? What do you hear of mall shootings in Israel? That's almost non-existent out, uh, non-existent out there, folks. But that's like the everyday norm here in the United States of America. We have never had a security issue there in Israel. But we know that sometime after the rapture of the church, we know that when the Antichrist confirmed the seven-year peace treaty with Israel, these Arab nations are going to attack. Psalm 83, an Arab confederacy of nations to attack the state of Israel. Ezekiel 38 and 39, a Russian-led Arab coalition of nations to attack the state of Israel. And then Daniel 11, 40 through 45 which is somewhat parallel to Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 39. So the king of the south will be Egypt, and the king of the north will indeed be Syria. Uh, of course, so Egypt has a peace treaty with Israel that was signed in 1979. Jordan has a peace treaty with Israel that was signed in 1994. But man, it's, it's a cold peace treaty. And both those countries are looking to break their peace treaty with Israel. So Syria will attack along with Egypt at the time of the end. But we know that both these countries 
will be destroyed by the ruler of the revived Roman Empire. Now, I've talked about the revived Roman Empire many times in this church. And every time I come to this church, I'm always giving you a different update concerning what is going on in the European Union. Because I believe these guys, the, the, the EU, the European Union, is the embryo, the infrastructure for the future revived Roman Empire. And out of that EU, out of that revived Roman Empire, will arise the little horn of Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. You know who that little horn is? The beast. Revelation 13, 1. That is the Antichrist. This ruler of the revived Roman Empire who comes out of the ten horns will destroy the king of the south and destroy the king of the north. Why? Because of the confirmation peace treaty he made with the Jews in Daniel 9.27. So that means he's got to leave Rome, and he's not the Pope, so don't get me wrong yet, but his headquarters will be in Rome. He's got to leave Rome, go to the Middle East, go to the south, destroy the king of the south, and then go to the north and destroy the king of the north. Because he guaranteed the Jews at least seven years of peace. But we know at the midway point of the tribulation period, that peace treaty will be broken by the Antichrist himself. And again, folks, the reason the beast destroys these two countries, the king of the south and the king of the north, is because of that seven-year peace treaty he confirmed, not signed. The Bible says in Daniel 9.27, he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. I told you already during Sunday school, you weren't here, that one week is that future seven-year period of tribulation to come. The confirmation peace. You know, you know, Israel has signed many worthless pieces of paper. Guess what? They're not working. Obviously, they're not working. So that means somebody's going to come on the scene, take a worthless piece of paper, and do what? Confirm it. Guaranteeing Israel seven years of peace, so-called. Seven years of security, so-called, if you will. And then he will guarantee Israel's protection. So when these guys attack, in Daniel 11, 40, the beast will destroy the king of the south, and he will destroy the king of the north. And Israel is under that covenant in Daniel 9, 27, when both these nations attack. Again, count on your own time. Daniel 11, 40-45. Nine times you find the personal pronoun, he, him, his. This is referring to the beast. It is referring to the Antichrist, who promised to protect the Jewish people, at least for the first three and a half years of the tribulation period anyway. So when these countries attack, it's like an attack on the revived Roman Empire itself. So the king of the north would be Syria. And look at the mess that's going on over there right now, and it's only getting worse. But then, we go to Revelation 16, 12. John the Apostle sees the Euphrates River dry up. And you can't see it on the map here, but that the kings of the east might be prepared. They go over the dry up Euphrates River into the Middle East, bringing death to at least one-third of the world's population. Well, since you're in Revelation, go over to chapter 9, verse 13. Now we're looking at the trumpet judgment. God dispatches angels to blow shofars or trumpets during the tribulation period. And when these angels blow a shofar, or when they blow a trumpet, it results in catastrophe.
catastrophe on the earth. Notice with me in Revelation 9, 13. And the sixth angel angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound where? The great refinement. You mean to tell me that in the present there are four demons that are bound in this area right now? No wonder it's a mess over there with ISIS and all these other terrorists running around in that area. Loose the four angels. These are demons. Fallen angels. Loose the four angels which are bound. Right now incarcerated in the great river Euphrates. And when they're loose, notice what happened in verse 15. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part of men. One third of humanity is slain by these guys. That's one and a half billion with a B. One and a half billion people. Notice verse 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard a number of them. These riders amounted to 200 million riders, or two myriads, if you will. Well, who are they? Some say that they are demons on horses. I believe that they are literal men possessed by demons to carry out this global holocaust upon humanity. And I know that there's one country that can easily muster up 200 million troops. China can easily muster up 200 million troops. So I believe that these men are possessed by demons to carry out this global holocaust of one-third of humanity being wiped out. As I told you already, folks, the Euphrates River is the far northeast uh, boundary of the promised land given to the Jewish people. That belongs to them. They don't own it right now, but they will in the future. Of what is today Turkey, Iraq, and Syria. This 200 million man army comes across this dry Euphrates River into the Middle East, bringing death to one-third of the world's population. And we know based on Revelation 9.15 and Revelation 9.18, this uh, demonic-possessed army will bring death to a third of the world's population. One and a half billion people. In Revelation 9.18 it says this, By these three, we're talking about the four-bound demon, the demonic locust, and the 200 million man army. By these three, was a third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouth. And here's what's interesting, folks. What's interesting is that the sixth trumpet combined with the fourth seal of Revelation chapter 6 verse 8 reduces the world's population to one half its pre-tribulation level. There's 7 billion people on planet Earth today. So Revelation 6, 8 tells us with the opening of that um, fourth seal, one-fourth of the world's population is dead. That's one and a half billion people. And then in Revelation 9, 15 and 18, one-third of the world's population dies from the trumpet judgments, another one and a half billion people. So what are we looking at? Just between the seal and the trumpet judgments. We're not even talking about the vile judgments yet, the bold judgments. 
between the seal and trumpet judgments, between three and a half to four billion people will lose their lives in the tribulation period. Doesn't it make sense to get saved right now? Why would you want to go through all that? Get saved right now. So it's going to reduce the world's population to one half its pre-tribulation level. And by the way, who opens the seal judgments? It ain't a pope. It ain't a pastor. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Who's the Lamb? Jesus, Jesus Christ. John 1, 29. Behold the Lamb of God. But then when we get to Revelation 6, 8, and I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over what? A fourth part of the earth. One fourth of humanity wiped out. Over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast, uh, the earth. That's the reason why it only makes sense to get saved in the here and now. If you know me, I love to take it from the horse's mouth. So what do I do? I went to a website called, how ironic, The Daily Beast. The Daily Beast. Now I looked at this Daily Beast a news website. And notice what China is up to right now. China, we might help Assad with the war in Syria. Really? You guys said in the past you wanted nothing to do with that mess over there in Syria. But now that you see that this war is coming to an end, you want a piece of the apple pie because you see Russia getting in on that deal. You see Iran getting in on that deal. You see Turkey getting in on that deal. Now you want a piece of the lucrative apple pie, don't you? So now China said, we're going to get involved and help Assad in the war with Syria. Now according to these political experts, uh, direct military assistance from China would mark a dramatic shift in Middle East geopolitics. The Chinese ambassador said that cooperation between Syria and Chinese militaries was ongoing. He said, we, China, and its military, wish to develop our relations with the Syrian army. So as the Syrian conflict has raged, China has supported Russia, which is heavily involved on the side of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, China wants a piece of the lucrative financial pie being eaten up by Russia, Iran, and Turkey. According to one military analyst from a People Liberation Army or China, planning and capability perspective, they need to develop and deepen their ability to engage in actual combat. Drills aren't enough for them, talking about China, to achieve the quality of military required to fully implement their military modernization campaign. Folks, this is prophecy unfolding for our very eyes. Have you seen it? According to Bible prophecy, this is going to be the case. You know why? China has a population of 1.41 billion. It's a lot of people. As a matter of fact, let me give you the exact numbers. 1 billion, 415 million, 45,928. That's 18% of the world's population. 18.54% to be exact of the world's population. China is a sleeping giant ready to wreak havoc on humanity. And yet in Revelation 9.16, what does it say? A 200 million man army coming over the Euphrates River, bringing death to one third of the world's population in the end times. We see a parallel between the sixth trumpet here in Revelation chapter 9 and the sixth vile judgment, the bold judgment in Revelation 16 12. Very quickly now, because I gotta close. 
I want to get you all in a very healthy time here. Revelation 16 <clears throat> and verse number 12. Revelation 16 and verse number 12. And the sixth angel put up his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water there was dried up that the way the kings of the east might be prepared. Did I, did I not mention to you Turkey? Now I went to another secular not a Bible prophecy website, a secular website called the Financial Tribune, which is the English version for the Iranian financial economy. Yeah, Iran, a sworn enemy to the state of Israel. Look at what Iran says Turkey's doing over there. Turkey's massive dam building creating problems. And look what they're doing. They, Turkey, are building large number of dams on Euphrates and Tigris River. The move has curtailed the flow of water from Turkey into Syria and Iraq. What is Turkey doing? Turkey just recently said, all it takes is a push of a button and we can dam up the Euphrates River. What did we read in Revelation 9.16? What did we read in Revelation 16.12? The water there, the Euphrates River was dried up that the way the kings of the east might be Prepare. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a Bible prophecy website. This is a secular website. The Financial Tribune reported on Turkey damming up the Euphrates River, which is causing water problem for Iran and all uh, Syria and Iraq and all these other guys. It says the Oriental Army, including China, the Koreas, the other Oriental armies. But as I continue to read right here, it says this. They, Turkey, are building a large number of dams on the Euphrates River. The Tigris and Euphrates with their tributaries from a major water system in Asia. From a source of the Tyrus Mountains of eastern Turkey, they flow through Syria, Iraq, and into the Persian Gulf. Turkey's damming up the Euphrates. This is exactly what Bible prophecy calls for in the end times. We see the stages being set for these prophecies to be fulfilled. These geopolitical activities involved in major players about prophecy. Russia. God, may God. Ezekiel 32. Turkey. Meshach. Tubal. Gomer. Togana. Ezekiel 38, 2 and 6. Ezekiel 38, 5. Persia. In 1936, changed their name to Iran. China. Revelation 9.15, Revelation 16.12, that the kings of the east might be prepared. I'm going to close on this. What did Jesus tell us to do in Luke 21.28? And when you see these things begin to come to pass, not when they were fulfilled, when you see prophecy unfolding in its early stages, when you see these things begin to come to pass, what are we to do? Jesus told us clearly what to do. Look up. Lift up your head for your redemption. Draw nigh. Jesus said, when you see prophecy unfolding in its early stages, I'm about to call my bride. I will love. The next main event on God's calendar of events is the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52. John 14, verses 1 through 3. You know Paul the Apostle is sold and forth to the rapture in his day? 
She said in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also who love His appearance. Do you know that you're going to receive a crown one day at the judgment seat of Christ? A crown of righteousness that Paul talks about? That crown is reserved for those who are looking forward to Jesus' return. Every single day, Brother Juno, they wake up and they say, Could today be the day? What if it were today? Could it be today? I so long for His return. I'm not looking for signs, but I am listening for a sound. Sound of a trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. <coughs> Revelation 4.1. And the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. 